root canal procedure, we only remove the major nerve that we can see. The rest of it is left untouched. So that means we are still living, letting go of some necrotic tissue, which leads to bacteria accumulation inside the tooth. That's why even endodontists who happen to be root canal specialists, they cannot argue with the fact that are you guaranteeing that you removed all the necrotic tissue from the tooth? The answer is always no. Hey, podcast, Drew here. Today, we are taking a deep dive on the topic of root canals and why do so many biological and functional dentists and functional medicine doctors, why are they so concerned about root canals and their potential link to other chronic diseases. We interview my own personal dentist today, biological and functional dentist, Dr. Rosita Rashian, based here in Los Angeles. She takes us through a whole host of topics, including the background story on why root canals can be potentially dangerous, what to do if you've had a root canal or a few, and what to do for anybody who's listening that hasn't had a root canal yet, and listens to this conversation and has their concerns around them, what you can do today to take care of your dental health so that you can avoid a root canal in the future, which is the goal. It's a fascinating conversation. If you care about your overall health, you want to pay attention to your oral health. This podcast is going to help you do exactly that. Stay tuned for my conversation with Dr. Rosita Rashtian. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Thrive Market, one of my favorite resources for getting healthy foods delivered right to my doorstep. Who doesn't love that? When it comes to what I eat, I'm super intentional. You guys know this, you listen to the podcast. So it's extremely important for me to know exactly what I'm buying. So I always take a deep dive into the ingredients and the company practices before adding anything new to my kitchen. My fiance knows this. With Thrive Market, I've been able to find tons of the brands I trust in one spot like Four Sigmatic, Hugh Kitchen, Artisana, and so many others. Forget this, up to 25 to 50% off the retail price. You just choose from a one month or 12 month membership to take advantage of their amazing deals. And by the way, if you're not into it, you have 30 days to cancel. Thrive Market has thousands of products, including gluten-free, dairy-free, organic, paleo, fair trade, you name it, they have it. You can get all the healthy ingredients and kitchen essentials and even clean home and body care products. They also have grass-fed beef and sustainable seafood options. So it's super easy to plan ahead for healthy meals and get them delivered right again to your doorstep. Right now, Thrive Market is offering my listeners an amazing deal. When you sign up for a new membership, you'll receive a free gift, a free gift. And anytime you spend more than $49, you'll get free carbon neutral shipping from one of their zero waste warehouses. You get to pick the gift. The zero waste happens automatically. Thrive Market makes my life so much easier. I know you're going to love it as much as I do. So I set up a special code. Just go to thrivemarket.com slash brokenbrain. That's thrivemarket.com slash broken brain. Sign up and start filling up your cart. You'll see the credit automatically deducted at checkout. Okay, now back into today's episode. 
Welcome to the Broken Brain Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Pruitt, and each week, my team and I bring on a new guest who we think can help you improve your brain health, feel better, and live more. This week's guest is my dear friend, also my personal dentist, and the dentist for many of my friends, Dr. Rosita Rashtian. After having earned her undergraduate degree at the University of California here in Los Angeles with high honors in neuroscience, Dr. Rashian went on to attend the University of Southern California, where she completed her degree in Doctory of Dental Surgery. Dr. Rashian believes that every individual deserves the highest quality in dental care, and she delivers on that. She practices utilizing modern health as a platform in helping patients understand the relationship between their mouth and their overall health here in Los Angeles. And by the way, people flying from all around the world to see her. Her focus on her focus is on holistic and biological dentistry, the philosophy recognizing that the teeth and associated structures as part of the whole body. Because of this important relationship, she also offers a plethora of health treatment options, stressing the use of non-toxic materials, focusing on the impact that toxins and hidden bacteria have on cumulative health. She uses minimally invasive techniques to preserve healthy tooth structure and incorporates laser technology and ozone therapy, which we've talked about a bunch on this podcast. She holds a smart certification license through the prestigious International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology. She's also a member of the Holistic Dental Association and the International Association of Mercury Safe Dentist and Biomimicry Dentistry. Dr. Rashian, welcome back to the Broken Brain Podcast. Thank you so much, Drew. It's an honor to be here. Thank you for the invitation. And I want to thank your audience, especially because we received such a uh, positive feedback. Uh, last time I was here through uh, social media, uh, phone calls, emails, and it's great to see that uh, these kind of episodes, it's actually having such a positive imp impact on people's health and uh, people support it. So I just want to share that with you that we got amazing results and uh, hopefully this episode will also help them uh, to bring some knowledge into the table in terms of their oral health. Yeah. Overall. Uh, Thank you for that. And, you know, really sh uh, showcases. We had you on the first time, and for anybody who's interested, we'll have the link to the YouTube and the show notes so that they can watch that. That was more of a big-picture conversation on functional dentistry, biological dentistry, what it is, how you approach, why people should be paying attention. And I think that one of the reasons, besides the fact that you're just so fantastic at explaining things, so thank you for that, <laughs> one of the reasons that I think our audience resonated with it so much is that people are starting to wake up and realize that the body does not operate in silos. One area of your health affects every other area of your health. And since its inception, because we had you on, you were one of our first guests that we had on the podcast, we've had so many functional doctors, cardiologists, neuroscientists, you know, experts in different fields talk about how the mouth is really one of the first signs. If something is wrong in the mouth, then something is wrong in the body. And if we don't pay attention to the mouth, even though these are not dentists, they're cardiologists, they're other people, we've had dentists say it too, it's an indication that something bigger is going on. And I think that really resonated with our audience. So we're gonna go deeper and talk about that more specifically on this topic of root canals today. Right, a which very, is very, very controversial. Topic. Very <laughs> controversial, right? Anybody yes. who knows a little bit about it, uh, there's been documentaries on the topic. There are uh, disclaimers by the American uh, Dental Association saying that 
you know, all this concern around root canals being linked to chronic disease or breast cancers is overhyped and overblown. And we want you, the audience, to make up your own mind. But primarily, we're having Dr. Rashian on here to talk about how she thinks about root canals in her practice, what she's seen, and how she helps patients who have gone through this process where potentially the root canal is contributing to greater sickness and illness in their uh, body. So excited to dive in. Uh, Just give us a quick little background for you for those folks that missed the first episode, biological dentistry. What is it? Sure. So uh, biological dentistry, it's um, a philosophy that we have that uh, oral cavity or mouth is not a separate entity from the rest of the body. Because let's face it, even in today's world, in dental school, in in medical world, uh, things are divided, our body parts are divided. So when I go to dental school, for instance, in the United States, we study the mouth, but there is no link between the bacteria of the mouth or the products we use in the mouth with the rest of the body, as if, as if, as if it's a separate entity, which it's not. Now, now we know better. So what a biological dentist believes is that whatever is happening in the oral cavity, whether it's a bacteria, whether it's a products we use, any toxins, any insults, can have an overall impact on the rest of the body. It is not a separate entity. It very much can influence different, uh, your immune system and all the other health conditions that you may have. Or if you have, if you have a pre-existing condition as we speak now, a biological dentist can look into it and say, is this dental related? Because unfortunately, again, in today's medicine, that relationship between different fields of medicine is lacking, the communication is lacking. So if there's a discovery in dental world, it will, it will be published in um, dental journal, but the cardiologist doesn't hear about it, or the urologist doesn't hear about it, or vice versa. Right. So that we- communication is lacking, and the left hand doesn't know the right hand, so therefore it's at the mercy of the patient to create that communication, which unfortunately a lot of good information gets lost in translation. It's so true, and that's even when there is not only clinical experience showing the link between these areas, but also research. You know, there's a few uh, prominent studies that came out that show that it takes 12 to 17 years before the latest literature actually makes its way into your doctor's office. Exactly. So there's things that are out there today that are proven. There is a well-established link between gum disease and heart health. True. But how many cardiologists are asking their patients about gum disease and are asking them and coordinating with their doctor. I know not a lot because my brother-in-law is a cardiologist and he talks about it all the time. Absolutely. In fact, the only time that I get approached perhaps by a cardiologist, which as you said, this one is proven. This one is not controversial. We already now established that the bacteria in the mouth very much are a number one cause of heart disease or heart attack. So we know that. No one is going to dispute this fact. However, how many cardiologists ask for a clearance letter from a dental office? When when the patient visits their, uh, visit uh, their office, you know, if a patient has any heart conditions, do they get clearance from the dentist? No, unless they they need surgery, and that's already too late in the game. I think we need to practice prevention. So, but in when when a patient needs a surgery, they oftentimes they either get a clearance or sometimes they don't even do that. They ask the patient, do not visit a dentist for two weeks prior to your surgery because they believe that the bacteria from the mouth, if they get it, 
they become systemic, can have an impact on their surgery or the outcome. Yeah. So it's still that communication is missing, even though it's been very much established that there is a connection between totally. diabetes and, and uh, bacteria that has already the um, uh, bacteria of the mouth and between heart disease and, and, uh, and orthopedic surgeons also. So there has been few connections uh, in some branches of medicine, but still, why don't we take advantage of that and have a clear communication when a patient comes into your office and make sure that they had visited their dentist, they're clear, uh, so you know we can all address as a team uh, the health of patients. It's so That's true. That's still lacking. And another example of that, you know, we just recently had Dr. Louis Naro, Nobel Prize winner for his discoveries in the work of nitric oxide. Right? right. He he was the one part of a team that discovered that nitric oxide was a signaling molecule for heart health. And uh, that low nitric oxide production was related to, you know, a whole host of things, including, you know, having the wrong diet or potentially mouth breathing. And that's another example. You know, we have a mutual friend, also a dentist who's been on this po podcast. Um, and, and he's come on here and he's talked about the uh, same components, that, that your mouth health how you breathe at night could be linked to your anxiety, 100%. could be linked to your heart health. So there's yes. so many factors of how our oral health is linked to our overall health. And I will say that it's, it's growing, but it's still not as widely recognized. So that's why. At a very why. slow rate. It's a slow and I rate. I have to give credit, maybe I'm biased in this regard, but uh, I see it more happening in functional medicine. That's why I'm a fan of. Uh, or alternative medicine, those are the uh, people that I see, they tend to uh, work as a team more so than a Western medicine doctor. So I get approached much more, or I wanna say solely, by my alternative medicine uh, colleagues uh, trying to become a team and say, you know, I have this patient, these are the symptoms, what do you think? Uh, is there a correlation? Uh, but I wish we would see more of that in Western medicine as well. So it is happening but it's happening more so in alternative medicine and functional medicine doctors, again, because of the ideology, because we already believe that the body is a, as a whole and we cannot divide it up to in different specialties. There has to be a communication and link. It's so true. And I think that we can get into that subject that we're about to get into, which is root canals yes. and help people understand so they have the information because not always, you know, most doctors that are out there widely most doctors, they're well-intentioned. And if they're not bringing up this information with you, they just are not aware of it. So it's important that, yes, they have the degree, they're the ones that studied it, but it's important to also have an open-minded doctor and somebody that you can come to and say, hey, here's some of the studies that I heard on this podcast, or here's some other concerns that are there, or I'm making these links, can we at least talk about this and have an open-minded conversation? Right. So let's jump into this topic here, sure. right? Let's start off with the basics for individuals, what is a root, root canal? canal? So root canal is a procedure that is done by a general dentist or an endodontist who happens to be a root canal specialist. And basically what that means is uh, once they, they find that the patient has pain and uh, they announce that the nerve is damaged and they cannot heal it, they try to save the tooth 
uh, uh, by just removing the damaged nerve from the inside of the tooth, which basically means you're not extracting, you're not removing any part of your tooth structure. You're going to have it as whole, except the nerve inside the tooth that is acting up and is causing pain or is sending a message to brain, hey, I'm uncomfortable, there's an infection there, or you know, there's pain going on. They remove that nerve and the blood vessels. So in another words, it becomes a dead tooth because any, as we know, any part of our body, if you don't have blood supplies and if you don't have nerve uh, intervention, it's, it's considered dead. Right, because so, it's not getting oxygen, it's exactly. not getting nutrients. It's almost like chopping off your hand from the rest of the body, but still sewing it and kind of keeping it attached, but Here none go. of the nerves like or anything is going there. So now exactly. you just have this like dead hand. So, so this procedure has been practiced for many years and patients are happy because they get to keep their teeth. And if and they that's have the primary pain, motivation, right? They want to keep motivation. their teeth. Exactly. Now that, thankfully, most people can afford dentistry as opposed to past that even if there was a small cavity, people would adamant about pulling it or removing the tooth rather than filling it. People can afford dentistry. They're more conscious that they want to save their teeth. So they go to any round, grounds possible uh, to do that. So root canal is one of those things. So everyone is happy. I don't have pain. I get to save my teeth. But at what cost? This is, this is the part that majority of the people don't know uh, what happens when you have root canals. So um, again, this is the only area in medicine that we allow, and that's just because maybe uh, dentistry and medicine was so separate for so many number of years, that we allow a dead part or dead organ to actually still stay in the tooth, uh, in, in, in our body. So um, let's use an analogy. When someone has uncontrolled diabetes, and there's a poor circulation to their appendages or uh, fingers or toes, if they don't improve that and uh, you cannot reverse it, then the poor circulation causes the, the tissue and then ultimately leads to amputation of their leg. They don't get to keep it. And why is that? Because anything dead in the body collects bacteria. Bacteria releases a toxin, which could affect your general health. So we know that for the rest of the body. And it's we well established in many well other established, areas. Exactly, except in dentistry, somehow we find it okay that it's all right to have a dead organ, the, the tooth structure in the body. And as long as the patient does not have pain, that's okay. So that's the standard, that's the criteria of a successful root canal. Does and the patient have pain? No. Or if we take a two-dimensional x-rays, do we see a lesion? If these two answers are no, that's automatically a successful root canal. And just to add to that a little bit more is that not only is it the only area, but also people still think of the teeth as not living. The teeth are living. Exactly. They're living, breathing things. They're not just like a piece of bone that's sticking out of you that does not attached to anything, is not doing anything. It's not just this solid structure. It's living, it's breathing. It requires regular nutrient supply. Like it's an actual thing inside of our body. 100%, absolutely. And um, so again, going back to that criteria of not having pain, I like to use that as, a, use an analogy that a lot of times, a lot of circumstances, we don't experience pain, but that doesn't mean there is not something going on in our, in our body. Let's use cancer, for instance. No one wants to have cancer. That's 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 the word that terrifies everybody. But when someone is on stage one or a stage two cancer, oftentimes they have no pains or symptoms. In fact, that's why a lot of times cancer goes unnoticed until accidentally somehow uh, it, it's found. People that are lucky that at the early stage we find them because of this routine screenings that they do. Otherwise, it's not due to pain. 
But does that mean cancer at stage one or two is allowed or is that okay? Is it okay to keep it once you find out you have cancer and not do anything about it because you don't have pain? Not so. So why is it okay to have a root canal that just for the sake of, well, it's not causing pain on the patient? Right. And so the, so the connecting the dots is basically when you have this root canal, you're basically severing the tooth from these nerves that are there. Exactly. And now the patient feels better because they get to keep their tooth, but they know, and they no longer have pain. Right. Right. But what you're saying is that just because you don't have pain doesn't mean there's not something that's lurking there. Just like my mother, who is also a patient of sure. yours, when she was diagnosed with breast cancer, it was early, knock on wood, was caught early. She had an cr- incredible team of doctors to, to work with her. But even though she was early in stage one, she didn't notice anything. It was only because she felt a lump. There was no pain. There was nothing that was going on. So the, right. so the connection you're making is basically just because you're not having pain doesn't mean that there's not something that's a larger health issue to address there. Right, which could have an overall impact in the future or cause an issue in the future. Uh, so, so can I ask another question? Absolutely. Let's even backtrack a little bit further. You know, so much of your work in dentistry is preventative, right? Help us to a place where we don't even have to get there. So, you know, I can understand why somebody comes in and goes to their dentist and says, listen, I've just been having this tooth pain. It's been days turned into weeks, turned into maybe months, and people aren't going to the dentist or they go to their next checkup, and then dentist decides. Now, what are ways to even, like, why is that, what are ways to even avoid that happening in the first place before we talk about all the things that can go wrong when you have a root canal? So how do we avoid root canal? Very good question. So there are four factors that I have in mind that three of them are very much in the control of the patient. It's unavoidable. It's it's very much avoidable, excuse me. There's only one factor that is unavoidable. Uh, So the first factor would be nutrition, diet, proper diet. So if you're having, uh, if you're consuming sugar or uh, refined carbohydrates and uh, causing a change of pH in your mouth and creating an acidic environment. So that's one of the factors because the acidic environment can cause the enamel to become more soluble, hence more prone to cavities. Second would be the bacteria, your oral hygiene. Do you get your routine dental care? And who establishes that? Is it based on, I hate to say, your insurance companies that says everyone gets a cleaning twice a year? Uh, does everybody, everyone's body functions the same or has the same need? No. Uh, a dentist has to establish a guideline and a time range for you to get your proper dental cleaning. Now, everyone in my office has its own formula because everyone's body's need is Personalized different. health. Absolutely. Someone's has, uh, someone has medication, someone, uh, the salivary flow is different, their diet is different, their hygiene is different, their orientation of their teeth is different, they have uh, certain habits, they play, play certain sports. All of that is a factor that one has to uh, keep in mind and, and establish for bringing the patient back, how often they have to come back for dental cleaning. So we make sure we are in control of the bad bacteria of the mouth. Right, because we've talked so much about gut health and there's also these other areas. There's your oral microbiome, exactly. right, which is what you're talking about. Right. There's a nasal microbiome. 100%. There's even some evidence of the microbiome inside of the brain, which is being more established that's there, but your oral microbiome is, is just as important as your gut microbiome. Exactly. So those are the first two factors. Third would be uh, patients that have certain habits of, for instance, clenching and grinding. Number one, 
we have to find out what's the source of it. What's the reason for the patient that is clenching and grinding? Until that's established and hopefully taken care of, we need to prevent the damage because you can have the best hygiene, you can have the best diet. However, if you clench and grind and put so much pressure at night and you wear off your enamel, your tooth structure, you are weakening the tooth structure and you're getting yourself to potentially uh, uh, at risk of either um, breaking your tooth or causing hairline fractures. Now through these hairline fractures, again, uh, bacteria can travel inside the tooth and perfect tooth can end up with the root canal for no reason. We see that often a lot. Patient that Mm -hmm. is a clencher and a grinder has gone unnoticed or without treatment for a number of years and they ended up needing a root canal just because uh, uh, of the hairline fractures that was on the teeth and unfortunately is irreversible now. Y- yeah, it's like basically like every time you sit, you're sitting on your arm instead of just sitting on your backside and your arm is twisted. You keep on putting pressure, keep on putting pressure. Eventually there's going to be Until some sort snaps. of break or yeah, <laughs> exactly. exactly, a snap. So that's happening so. there and that's really interesting because you know there are different interventions that can be uh, brought into that. One is you know, looking at whether or not somebody is breathing at through their mouth at night, and there's some interest exactly. in that growing category of, of mouth taping and addressing that. Right, which um, we talked about in previous episodes. We've talked about previous details. episodes. And there's also, like, I've found that, uh, you know, in my own life, I came and saw you at a time where I was going through, I, I live a very stress-free life, but I was going through something in my personal life at a time where I was having a lot more stress than normal. And it, I didn't think it was affecting me during the day, but it was definitely affecting me at night. And not only was I grinding my teeth, but I also was biting my tongue. Oh, <laughs> I came to you and I said, I'm like weirdly biting my tongue at night because of this grinding that's there. And you had recommended some interventions, including at the time, you know, well, Invisalign was one of the things, like a mouth guard that was customized towards me. Right. Uh, well, some cases is the occlusion or the way the teeth come together is a pa- factor and that makes them a grinder or more prone to clenching and grinding. Jaw structure, uh, the shape of your jaw can dictate that. That's why we get that. It's, it's genetic. Uh, it comes from our parents. So a lot of times when a patient is a grinder, uh, either uh, 50% chance one of the parents was a grinder uh, because they get the anatomy of their jaw from either of their parents or any type of stress in the body that could be lifestyle or pathogens or anything that is going on and you're under stress, you automatically have that reflex of clenching, grinding your teeth. So we need to find, again, the source of the problem. Hopefully the source gets to get eliminated, but if not, at least until we get there, there has to be some means of protection so the teeth don't get damaged. Right. Now the fourth factor, which unfortunately is out of anyone's control would be any accidents. You know, if you somehow fall and you have a hit on your face, you break a tooth, that was something that was unavoidable. So then if you have a nerve damage or you break your tooth, you may end up needing a root canal at that point. So this this is the only section that is like bad luck. You couldn't prevent it. It happened. But the first three categories is very much in your control and you con- you can control that, which is the major part of it, actually, because accidents doesn't happen every day. Uh, but what you will consume, how we take care of our oral health, this is something we can control on a daily basis. Yeah. And what we consume in our diet, I want to definitely come back to that later on. And we talked a little bit about Weston Price in our last interview, but I think it's worth revisiting. But let's pivot, right? Because people are listening here and they're very interested about the connection with why 
root canals could be problematic. Uh, so tell right. us from your experience working with people, your review of the literature, and and just paying attention to what's going on there, why is it that root canals can be problematic? And when do you look at it and say, this could be something that's contributing to one of the factors of chronic disease that this patient is going through? Right. So in order to understand where the controversy comes from or why as holistic dentists or alternative medicine doctors or biological dentists, we are against root canals or at least we see them as a risk factor, I need to go over very briefly about uh, the tooth structure. Yes. Let's talk about the anatomy of the tooth because it's all about that. So any teeth in our body, whether front or back teeth, is made out of different layers, okay? So the first layer of the tooth, which most people know by name, is called enamel, which is the hardest layer of the tooth, harder than bone. Second layer of the tooth, this is the tricky area, is called dentin. Now, dentin is, compromised, is, is, is uh, composed of so many microtubules. So these are like straw-like uh, structures, like tubes, but they're microscopic. So if I want to uh, give you an analogy, if you put all these little tubules next to one another, like a straw, end to end to one another, your smallest tooth, which happens to be your lower front tooth, once you put all those little tubules next to, to one another, it will be three to five miles. That's how many little tiny tubules we have hidden in dentin. So wow. inside that tubules, we have it's fluid filled, it's not hollow. Then comes, so remember that second layer because I'm gonna come back to it. This is where the controversy comes or this is where the danger of the root canal comes. It's all hidden in the second layer of the tooth, which now we know so much. Third, year, uh, third layer of the tooth is pulp. That's where the canal that basically the nerve and the blood vessels uh, are located. And that's P-U-L-P? P-U-L-P, pulp, right. So when you do a root canal or when, it's someone, when a dentist does a root canal, in order to keep the tooth, they go through all these three layers to access the nerve, which is sitting inside the pulp, which is the third layer of the tooth, right? And then they will remove the major nerve and the blood vessels. When I say major nerve, just like the rest of our body, we have all these blood vessels and nerves that uh, are uh, main nerves, and there we have so many accessory little tiny branches that comes off of it. Teeth are no, no difference. Anywhere, we have anywhere between one to four main nerves that we see with our naked eye. That's how big they are sitting inside the canal. But then we have tiny branches that comes off of those uh, main nerves. Those are microscopic. No one can see them. They're hidden in lateral canals. They're in the dentinal tubules. So we, have, we don't have access to it. When we don't have access to something, we cannot clean them. So therefore, a root canal procedure, we only remove the major nerve that we can see. The rest of it, is left untouched. So that means we are still living, letting go of some necrotic tissue, which leads to bacteria accumulation inside the tooth. That's why even endodontists who happen to be root canal specialists, they cannot argue with the fact that, are you guaranteeing that you removed all the necrotic tissue from the tooth? The answer is always no. No one can guarantee that because we don't, there's not a single person in this world that has access to that. We only have access to the major nerve that we, we see, the rest of it we don't. So the problem comes when we leave this necrotic tissue inside the tooth and we seal it with some rubbery some substance that we call gutta percha. Now, the bacteria, which oftentimes are anaerobic, which means they can survive without oxygen, have this beautiful space uh, of dentinal tubules. Remember, three to five mi miles 
in smallest tooth. So imagine the posterior teeth that have three or four canals, much more dentinal tubules. So they have this space that they can reproduce, they can grow. And what does the anaerobic bacteria does? They produce toxins. Where does the toxin go? It doesn't just stay inside the tooth. Again, we have lateral canals that these toxins or bacteria, they can leak out literally outside the tooth. So what is outside the tooth that gets contaminated with these toxins and bacteria? One is our periodontal ligament, which basically no teeth is fused to the bone. Every tooth via ligament is attached to the bone. And these ligaments, are, are they have wonderful blood supplies, okay? And then after that, besides the ligament, there is a bone structure, alveolar bone, which is again filled with blood supplies. So now t- toxins have a way to escape into circulatory system and then become systemic, or bacteria can now become systemic. So this is the area that holistic dentists or, or biological dentists um, don't agree with because anything necrotic that is causing um, uh, or promoting anaerobic bacterial growth and toxins can cause health damage. And now, nowadays we know better. Like back in the days, we, you mentioned, or uh, in the past, I talked about briefly about Dr. Weston Price, who happened to be a brilliant dentist. His only fault was he was 25 years ahead of his game. <laughs> so uh, people put on such a fight, and they still put on such a fight about his research. So what he did was 25 years of research. What he found out was as a dentist, when he performs root canals on a healthy individuals, when they come back later on in the game, they have all these systemic issues. Somehow it didn't make sense to him. So what he did, he started to linking it. Is this happening every time after I do a root canal? So he somehow was able to encourage the patients who had the root canals, let's remove the root canal tooth. You seem to have a heart condition, so let's let's remove this root canal tooth. And he did. So he started removing the root canal tooth from the patients who had general health issues, diabetic, arthritis, uh, I mean, cascade of events. And he realized the health of the patients got much better. Then he took it a step further, and back then, I guess, animal studies was very much uh, allowed and okay. The norm. So, and he, yes, it was the norm. Um, so he implanted, he actually took the root canal tooth from the patient who had the, car, uh, the heart disease. He extracted it and he placed it under the skin of the rabbit. And then, to his surprise, the rabbit that was, he- the rabbit that was healthy exactly created the same symptoms and the disease, ended up with a heart disease and died. And then he took the same tooth from that rabbit, put it under the skin of another rabbit, a rabbit, and he got the same results. He actually was able to produce the same results on 100 or 200 rabbits. Now, a patient who had arthritis, he would remove the tooth that had root canal uh, and put it under the skin of the rabbit. The, pa- the rabbit would get 85% of the time, if not more, the same exact condition. Which, which so, sounds crazy. Which is crazy. But if you look at like the literature that's out there today, they're taking the poop, right? They're taking the in the gut microbiome, right? Right. He's dealing with the oral microbiome. But today, there have studies where they're taking the poop of individuals who are thin and injecting it into the uh, the rectum through a fecal transplant right. for another person that is, let's say, overweight, and they're seeing that the person who is overweight has now they're back now that their bacteria has changed all of a sudden they're metabolizing food differently and they start to slim down a little bit right Right. or they're taking the fecal transplants in certain locations for kids on the autism spectrum and again 
These are small studies. We'll link to them so you can check them out. We need more of them. But there does seem to be evidence that when you take the gut microbiome through a fecal transplant and you take it from one person to another, you can replicate the same thing. It's just that he was doing it way before his time in the oral microbiome. Way before his time. So, and unfortunately, some of the modern medicine that we have or technology we have available back uh, nowadays, it wasn't available to him back then, which was a DNA analysis. So then he found out there has to be something in the root canal, whether it's a bacteria or a toxin that is causing this. This doesn't make sense. So he, he, uh, what he did was, let me see if I can somehow outside in patient mouth perform root canal in a way that I can make the root canal 100% sterile. Because obviously any tooth that I'm removing that has root canal, when I culture it, has bacteria. So he used the strongest disinfectants, anything that is not allowed in patient's mouth. He pushed his boundaries, and he used that, soak it in for two, for, for two days, and after that, sectioned the root canal tooth, cultured it, and to his surprise, he kept finding toxins and bacteria. So he was never able to 100% create a tooth with a root canal that is 100% sterile. Sterile environment. Right, sterile environment. And that's really the the clencher is really what you're talking about when we say the concern around root canals. It's this, it's almost like mold in a way that I think about it, right? Mm -hmm. We have these buildings that that we we all live in and we, we have little areas that let's say we board up, dry, you know, completely like an attic crawl or whatever it might be, or a basement that we think is like completely clean, but bacteria will always find a way. Mold will always find a way and it'll end up growing there. So we think this tooth is sealed. We think that it's completely sterile. We it's think not it's not causing have, us pain. It's not causing us pain. We don't think that there's any repercussions and yet bacteria will not only grow, but can thrive in that environment because other non-anaerobic bacteria can't compete because exactly. only the anaerobic bacteria that is able to live in that area and then produce whatever form of toxicity that it produces. Exactly. And even if you want to practice Western medicine or standard dentistry, if you give antibiotic to the patient, that's not going to help. Why? We cut the blood supplies to the tooth. We remove the vessels, the blood vessels. So the antibiotic, where does it go? It's systemic. It's in the blood. But it has no means or way of getting inside the tooth anymore because remember root canal we remove the nerve and the blood vessels so there is no more blood vessels so we cannot even uh, push this bacteria inside the tooth and the antibiotic inside the tooth anymore so antibiotic is going to be totally out of use you know yeah or no use for it and to zoom out a little bit here because this is where we want to be very careful and focus on education you know is there are no big studies you know when i say big i mean like big studies that are out there uh, with thousands of people studying this area. First of all, it's to even get somebody to do a study on this, it's controversial, right? Right. It's difficult because there's so many factors that you have to look at and it would take quite a bit of time. So we want to acknowledge that. But just because you don't have clinical trials at huge levels doesn't mean that there aren't doctors, dentists, boots on the ground that are seeing patterns and are having people pay attention and that are raising almost like Europe has the precautionary principle. It's saying, look, these chemicals in the environment like glyphosate and GMOs, maybe we don't have big studies yet showing, big population studies showing that glyphosate causes cancer, 
right? Even though there is one now with lymphoma, but not with all the other cancers that are there, there's enough evidence and research that's out there that are showing we should have caution. Absolutely. So there's some documentaries that are out there, and there's some articles that float around the internet that make you think that, oh, breast cancer and root canals are 100% linked. You get a root canal, you get breast cancer. And that's not what we're talking that's about That's not here. what we're talking. It's well, just bringing awareness that there, there could be some correlation. Right, there could be you know? some correlation. It's patient specific and exactly. there is cause to be concerned about root canals in an ideal world through those main categories that you talked about, those three things. The fourth one we can't do much about, which is accidents. We try to set up our dental health and our oral microbiome and our nutrition so that we can avoid it. Absolutely. And then if we do have it, then, like for instance, we've had a root canal, we'll talk about that in a second, I know you have some recommendations, then we can appropriately go get support for dealing with that at that time. So this is more of an awareness campaign and right. really taking the European approach of precautionary principle, let's pay attention, there is some cause for concern. That's right, here. or this could be a possibility, so you'll be the judge or have that in the back of your mind, if God forbid in the future something happened to you and you're just running around from one doctor to another and no one can find an answer, just remember, wait a second, five years ago, 10 years ago, I had that root canal done could it could this be the reason in my case sure you know just have that knowledge have so uh, at least you won't be a victim you know totally and you know i've talked about my mom on this podcast a few different times and uh as i've mentioned you are also her dentist she drives up actually two hours to come and see you (laughs) which is really cute she tells her friends they're they're like oh you're going to la because she lives in san diego now her and my father say oh you're gonna go to la like what are you gonna go for like spend time with kaya and drew and she's like no i'm just going up for my dentist appointment (laughs) and they're like driving two hours for a dentist appointment and she's like yes my dentist is the best i love her but anyways i digress my mom as listeners know was diagnosed with breast cancer early stage caught it early had an incredible team now my mom has had uh a couple root canals, a couple, I believe, right? Three of them. Three of them. If I'm allowed to. Yeah, yeah, Since so you're allowed. You're she gave us it. permission, no HIPAA <laughs> violation. She let us talk about all this stuff. Yes. And, and you know, most people that we talk about, because even back then, that was one of the things that came up with her functional medicine doctor, who's also been on this podcast before, Dr. Liz Bohm. She's a medical doctor and a nutritionist at our clinic, the Ultra Wellness Center. And she was one of the physicians on my mom's team, in addition to her oncologist and a researcher named Ralph Moss, who was previously at Sloan Kettering and writes a lot about cancer. They did ask her about root canals. They asked her about a lot of things. But also, my mom had insulin resistance. She had been a vegetarian her whole life and eating like a very high carb diet, not getting the right types of fats in her body. So we know that people who are insulin resistant, that makes them more likely to also develop, you know, cancer. She had mercury fillings that are there. So that's another insult that's there. These are all factors and insults that add in, but just like we pay attention to the amount of sugar that we're eating, our levels of glucose, insulin resistance, you know, just like we pay attention to heavy metals or if somebody was exposed to some sort of environmental radiation, a root canal is another thing to throw in the mix to have an honest conversation about because it can be one of the factors, one of the insults that can contribute to this environment where cancer is able to thrive. 100%, yes. So let's pivot from here because now we've talked about what the problem is, right? The level of concern around uh, root canals that are there. And when, actually, let me add one thing to yes, that. Yes, please, please. In today's world, again, since we have so much technology and more knowledge than in the past, we are able to 
sending a tooth or a culture for DNA analysis. And it comes back with a full report of what bacteria in that sample exist, what strain of bacteria, and then if certain strain of bacteria are linked to heart disease, we would know. So again, we have good bacteria, we have bad bacteria, and then the threshold matters. It just happens that every time, I, I just wished everyone had the funding to do so, including myself. But this is at the expense of either the dentist or, or, or the patients. Any time you're removing the uh, root canal tooth, whether it's symptomatic, whether it's not, it doesn't matter. Every time we send it to the lab, pathology lab for that DNA analysis, when it comes back, there has not been a case that we didn't find pathogens or disease-causing bacteria at a high threshold. Yeah, And, that's and so when they break it down, it's interesting. Some of them are the strains that are already connected to heart disease, heart attack. One is connected to the ones that cause neuromuscular issues. So it's really fascinating. It, it exists. But am I saying that everyone is going to become symptomatic? No. It really depends on the immune system once again. Someone is blessed to have a very strong immune system and can fight these toxins and these pathogens. Again, not to say that they don't exist. They're in their body, but they can fight it better as opposed to someone else who's not, you know, who, who doesn't, who's not blessed with the immune system or perhaps down the line something happens to to them and their immune system becomes compromised. Mm. Then they start showing signs and symptoms. So true, there are people walking around with root canal in their teeth that they have zero signs and symptoms and they're super healthy. And that's why this is the example. Many physicians or dentists in um, uh, Western world that they try to use to back up root canal is like, I've had root canals for 20 years, nothing has happened to me, I'm right. healthy. And they're right, they're yeah. healthy. But that doesn't mean the toxins are not there. And that it, doesn't mean another person is going to be just as lucky to remain healthy for the rest of their lives. You know, it, it makes me think of this analogy. We had a friend of mine, Sarah Ann Stewart, and her uh, medical doctor here in Los Angeles come in and talk about, on a podcast last year, about breast implant illness, right? And exactly. last year, this last year, it's gotten a lot of attention last two years because the FDA has finally come out and there was a big recall on a particular type of breast implant that was there, and even more awareness that there's more concern. There's been a lot of big celebrities saying that that you know this these saline implants, whether they're texturized or not, they're a foreign object, and the body starts to break them down. And very similarly to like teeth, they're a dead thing. They never were living. Obviously, they're saline, and they're in our body, and they're accumulating bacteria and other stuff. And there's a doctor Castleth here who does also when she does the extractions, which is a big part of her work as a plastic surgeon. They'll go and do these swabs and these tests, and they'll come back and they'll find all these bacteria that are linked to a whole host of issues that are there. Some of her patients have had breast implants for years and don't have any issue because they have a strong immune system, because they detox better, because they don't have the you know, particular genes that are there, or they take better care of themselves. And then other patients are really healthy, but they don't detox as well, or they don't handle as well, and they sometimes have all sorts of issues more often than not, like autoimmune type issues that are there. So again, just another example of personalized medicine. You can't say that one thing is completely the cause of something, but you also can't say that it can't be the cause in other people for the issues that they're dealing with. Exactly, that's why it's so important not to censor any type of information, I personally think. So in the breast implant example that you said, if the information is out there, at least patients know the potential, potential risks 
involved or once they go through the implant procedure maybe they decide not to or if they do if in the future they have some health issues they know sir they know they, they can some, make the choice themselves. they can make a choice themselves it's yeah. like wait a second i knew about this this could potentially be in my case maybe i want to go and remove it exactly so the information needs to be out there so people can make better decisions about their own personalized health Right. No. Totally. It's so important. So let's piggyback off of there. Like, let's take, for example, in my mom's situation, because this is an ongoing thing. When somebody has had a root canal, right, and they're fortunate enough to seek out a functional dentist, a um, biological dentist like yourself, what's the next step from there, especially if they think that they might be going through some things or even if they're not going through any kind of health issues, but they want to address it now so that it doesn't become a bigger problem later on. Great. So one of the first things I do, remember, as we said, patient may be completely asymptomatic. They may not have pain. So uh, or they've gone through routine dental uh, exam and x-rays and nothing shows in the two dimensional x-rays. One of the first thing I do if I see a patient with a root canal, whether they complain about it or not. Uh, for their education and my findings, and encourage them to get the proper X-ray, which is a cone beam or a CT scan. This gives me ability to take a, take a look at the two three dimensionally. So there is no information getting lost. So if there is something that the, the, the images are not superimposed, like a two dimensional X-ray. So therefore, we get to see much better in details and contrast of what's happening three dimensionally. When the results come back, is is it's to my surprise a lot of time. Again, the root canal that looks really good in a regular x-ray, when the CT scan comes up, we see lesions that didn't exist in the other one. So when you see lesions, when you see shadows or we see potential infection, that's when you go back to patients and say, listen, based on a CT scan, the root canal is already failing. You're not symptomatic, but look, it's there. Or because the, the lesion is an example of the bacteria, bacteria. doing damage. Exactly. To right? the Toxicity there. Exactly. And now it's like, okay, there's some cause for concern. Exactly. And if you just rely, or if your dentist just relied on a traditional x-ray, they may not see that. Exactly, they can very well miss it, and it happens all the time. In fact, it, it has happened that patients didn't have um, CT scans or cone beam x-rays, uh, but they decided to remove uh, the root canals because of all the informations out there. And when I extracted the tooth, because I didn't have to enroll the patient, these root canals is bad through the CT scan. So, but when I extracted the tooth, Amazingly, there was an abscess. Now, that abscess did not show in my X-ray or anyone else's X-ray because it was a two-dimensional X-ray, and we didn't have a CT scan. But it sh oftentimes we find pathology when we are extracting the teeth, something that we were completely blindfolded uh, with regular X-ray, two-dimensional X-ray. So, so let's say you get back the CT scan, and you actually you're dealing with this right now with my mom, for example, and you do see lesions that are there. What's right. the next step or considerations? So the next step is. To break down, fortunately, the bad news, the only way you can get rid of this lesion is to get rid of the source. The root canal is failing, the toxins are there, it's already damaging the surrounding tooth structure, which is the bone and the ligaments. So therefore, the best way to get rid of it would be to get rid of the source. And unfortunately, that means getting rid of the tooth. But in today's world, I mean, there are so many different ways of replacing that tooth. So I always tell my patients, especially again, I become more case specific. So I tell the patient, listen, your root canal is failing. Here is a proof. It shows in the CT scan. Now, based on your health, especially, you've been you've had some issues in the past which 
could be related to the bad root canal, could not, but your immune system is not the strongest because you had some degenerative diseases in the past. So do you want to take a chance of holding on to a root canal that already shows that it's failing, or you prefer to put your health first? We can all live without one tooth or two teeth, but the overall health is, it means a lot more. So I rather err towards safety, meaning encourage the patient honestly, once I, especially when I see a lesion on CT scan, that's no brainer. We know it's there, we know, it's there, we know the damage is happening. I can't fool myself, it's already feel, uh, failing. So I encourage the patient to remove it. By remove it, I mean removing it holistically. And there's a difference also in this branch of medicine versus regular dentistry of taking out teeth. Uh, non-holistically. Talk about that for a second since we're on the topic. So uh, in in dentistry, usually standard is when you remove the tooth, you just remove the tooth and that's it, you're done. The very best, you irrigate and that's it, or disinfect the area. Uh, Remember what I said earlier, the bacteria or the toxins, they leak out of the tooth. Where do they go? They spread to the surrounding tooth structure or periodontal ligament. So if you remove the tooth, and you don't debride or clean that area thoroughly, you're trapping still some toxins and bacteria, and the bone tries to heal, those areas that still have those anaerobic uh, bacteria will not heal perfectly. So you're you're entrapping those bacteria inside the bone. You literally will have cavitation or little holes or defects inside the bone. It's almost like a rotting, it's like rotting organisms inside an enclosed area. Right. And and they can always grow because, you know, they have all the uh, nutrients and blood supply. So uh, very important when you're removing the uh, tooth to do it holistically. What does that mean? This is the steps. The, The surgeon or a dentist needs to remove all the ligaments that are infected as a result of the bacteria or toxins. And also, if there is any bony defects, that needs to be scraped off and also removed. So this so, would be typically called like a cavitation surgery. If they don't, right. If they don't do it, unfortunately, some people end up with the cavitation, which means defects inside the bone, uh, leaving the bacteria inside the bone, which now they have to go back to a second surgery after the healing, go back in there and clean out the cavitation. That if happens when do, it's not done the correctly correct the way. first time, exactly. which is why it's so important to, to work to with somebody it. who understands you, that, seeking out a holistic biological, 100%. functional dentist who, who knows that that can be an issue. Right, exactly, because they're conscious of it, they're believer of it, so therefore they look for these things and uh, do it at the time rather than when the patient becomes symptomatic later on, introducing another procedure or another surgery. And also, during that time of surgery, it's important if someone has access to ozone dentistry or ozone medicine. So we use ozonated water, which is, has a great healing ability, ozone injection, ozone gas, to debride the area before we seal, before we, we suture. Or we do what we call PRF, which is a platelet-rich fibrin, which basically is used in, in so many different areas of the medicine and dentistry, which means drawing someone's blood, your own blood, putting it in centrifuge, and when the centrifuge basically spins, it separates the different levels of blood, and we use the gold portion, which basically is filled with your growth factor, your antibodies, and just a little bit of your stem cell. We're not gonna call it stem cell therapy because there's very little tiny uh, amount of stem cell in there, but majority of the portion that we are using or we are after is your own antibodies and your own growth factor. So what does these antibodies do? Helps you 
fight the infection. So oftentimes, I'm not black and white about antibiotics, but I'm not very prone of antibiotics. So when I do an extractions, I don't place my patients on antibiotics unless once in a while I see a very bad infection that I think the patient, depending on their uh, immune system, may need a uh, little help with antibiotics. Right, the mindful but use of antibiotics. Right, exactly. If we can use your body's own ability or something it's, like ozone, which is being used in ozone, a lot of different things. And including your own antibodies and PRF, that helps you fight infections. Right. So these are the things that helps to for you to heal properly and avoid cavitation, which is potentially another future uh, surgery for the patient if it's not done holistically. I want to interject with one other uh, sort of anecdote. You know, my business partner, who also comes to you when he flies into LA, uh, Dr. Mark Hyman, He's been very vocal about the fact that about two and a half years ago, three years ago, he had a major gut health issue. And originally they thought that he got C. diff at the clinic that is the partnership with the Cleveland Clinic, the Center for Functional Medicine. He, got, he, he thought he had C. difficile uh, at the hospital, but later found out that a lot of his gut issues came from a root canal that went wrong. Right. right, A root canal that went wrong, and then he took antibiotics for it, and a whole series of cascading effects ended up happening where he basically destroyed, his gut got That's completely it. destroyed. And this is Dr. Hyman who eats healthy, lives healthy, works exactly. out, does, does all this stuff. Everybody uses him as an example. Exactly. Everybody uses him as an example. He's six years old, you know, looks fantastic. But this is a, a perfect example of how even people who are very healthy, in, in a single situation of not handling something like that correctly, it can lead to a lot of cascading downward you know, impact on your health. 100%, yes. So in this issue where you know, you're delivering the patient the bad news, good news, right? Right. Bad news is that unfortunately you have to take out this tooth that's there. Good news is that, hey, listen, we can do something about it. It's good that we found this. You don't wanna be sitting with lesions for the rest of your life, right? right. Um, because that can lead to a lot of different things that are there. Uh, when it's actually time to do the extraction, it's about finding the right person, holistic dentistry. To do it correctly. To do it uh, correctly. And then is the final aspect, after all it's been done correctly, sterilized correctly, used holistically, minimizing antibiotics, is then the next thing is then the patient is finding in uh, a replacement tooth that's, that's there. Right. What are the means of replacing? So obviously a uh, patient has a choice of getting a removable prosthesis, that's an option. It's, it's not the most ideal in today's world, it's something that like a denture or partial denture that you put it in and you remove it, false tooth. Patient has an option of breach. Again, none of not, not my top choice, basically only because when you do a bridge, you're trying to, if there's a missing tooth in the middle and you have a tooth in the back and you have a tooth in the front, you shave the front tooth, you shave the, the back tooth and you place uh, uh, two crowns and then the middle tooth that is missing, there's a fake crown that is connected. In other words, there are three crowns connected as one bridge them together and it gets cemented on. So it is fixed, it's not removable, but the downside to that, you're actually shaving or uh, altering a tooth structure that is not necessary to do so. Uh, so as much as possible, I prefer the ideal, ideal treatment if the patient uh, doesn't have major systemic issues, meaning is, uh, they're not going through uh, radiations, they don't have uncontrolled diabetes, they don't, they're, they're not chronic smokers, uh, implant would be a much better option to go. 
there is a very high percentage of success, over 95%. And there are different materials nowadays available for someone who wants to stay completely metal free. There is a porcelain zirconia implant available nowadays uh, that will be, is being used, um, which has zero metal. And then if not, then 100% fully titanium metal would be the next things to do. So those are the three op- options available to replace the tooth, you know, and really depends on each person, right. which option they, they want to opt for. A lot of options that are there, but biggest thing is trying to address and get to the root issue and figure out if this thing is an issue. And maybe it's not for you at the moment and you don't see lesions and then you could say, okay, I'm choosing not to address it or fix which, it right that now. That is great, which I even face that sometimes in my practice. You bring the awareness and that's the whole point. Right. You educate them so they have that conversation in the back of their mind. Sometimes a healthy individual says, you know what, doc, thank God I'm, I'm healthy, I hear you, but I'm not ready to remove this tooth. Then the very least what they can do, first of all, watch out for their health. So if anything significant happen down the line, know that there could be a correlation. Two, every five years they should repeat the uh, CT scan. Right. And be, pro- be just the same way that somebody might get a colonoscopy right. to just make sure that they're not headed in that direction. Because again, right. you don't necessarily know that there's a problem when the problem first starts. Exactly. So at least choose either two. Either monitor yourself, but get screened every five years with that CT scan so we can monitor the changes. Or some people jump in and do that. They don't want, again, they don't want to take a chance. They don't want to put their life, you know, health at risk. And they go for the extractions and they heal and they replace the tooth. It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. And, <laughs> you know, it, it, there's always this, I, there's like a meme um, on social media. I think it was on Instagram, but probably on Facebook too. People always compare going to the dentist with like the I'd, they'd always say like I'd rather go to the dentist right like when they're talking about like a difficult thing it's in like their the life, worst thing in the world right? it's I like know. the worst thing in the world they don't want to deal with this you know I'd rather go to the dentist and have my teeth drilled in <laughs> and it's really along the lines of you know dental health issues and having so much work done on our teeth including cavities and other stuff in terms of humanity and homo sapiens, it's a very new thing, right? It's following along with our industrialized junk food sort of world, our nutrient deficient world, lacking in vitamin D, lacking in K2, lacking in these essential things. I mean, people don't understand that for the longest time, and this is the work of Weston Price, people had healthy teeth. If you go look at the teeth of modern day hunter-gatherer societies, I went and visited one. I went to Kenya a few years ago. I'm born in Kenya, Nairobi, and a group asked me, a buddy of mine, Elliot, said, we're going to go to Kenya and we're going to go hang out with this tribe, modern day hunter gatherers, and they're called the Samburu. They are cousins of the Maasai. People know the Maasai tribe in Kenya. And they have entered into this private public partnership with the government where they're protecting these endangered elephants in this region. It's over a million square miles. And I was so excited, besides my just general fascination with elephants and travel, And when I got there, I was reminded of Western Price's work because every single person that I met, and these are people that only, their diet basically consists of this particular tribe. They don't really eat a lot. They just drink milk from the cow and occasionally some goat's milk that's there. And they've been having this diet as long as they, their evolution has been around there. Their teeth are perfect. They don't have a dentist, right? They chew twi- they don't brush their teeth. Right. They don't brush. They, they're... Their dental health is great, even the older people, unless if there was an accident 
which there are, right? There are accidents. Unless you bit on something and it broke a tooth, that's the unfortunate side of it. They don't have access to dentistry that's there. So even a small problem becomes very big because they don't have great dentists like yourself to help them address it early on. But their teeth are amazing. And they don't have access to all the stuff that we have access to. It's just another reminder that if we can take care of our teeth, if we can be proactive about it, dentist going to the dentist doesn't have to be this really scary thing or this thing that we avoid or dread dealing with. It can be just a little side thing that we don't have to pay attention too much to in our life versus you see so many older people today, both my grandparents, right, um, uh, on my mom's side, had such bad dental health, my grandfather, and it really interfered with their life, especially as they got older and were dealing with different chronic diseases that are there. So all in all, I guess I'm basically saying is that we don't have to dread the dentist. We can be proactive about our dental health and uh, actually think of it as our overall body health too. It's just not just our teeth are separate from the body. Dental health matters. It really does. (laughs) Dental health does matter. what else do you want to say to the people that are listening? Uh, I, I thought it would be fun to talk about some cases that I personally got Please. to witness. Please, you know? yes, let's do it. People uh, love case studies. You know, yeah, and this is something that uh, we, we get to see miracles unfolding literally every day in front of us, and hence why we are so adamant about practicing the way we do. So I had some interesting cases uh, coming my way, and uh, one of the cases was this lady. Uh, she was about 75 years old, Asian lady, who had gone, um, who had a series of root canal done. Some of them repeated twice because it had failed. And uh, it's interesting, she created, she came up with that correlation herself, not any other doctors that she had gone. And she noticed that um, after a while, she started having some hearing loss. And also suddenly in one day, there was a ringing in the ear that happened and never stopped for two years. Like a version so, of tinnitus. Exactly, so there's this buzzing sound which is irritating her, and she's going from one ENT, one doctor to another, and no one can find out what's going on. And then towards the end, she got the sense that people are not trusting what she's saying and they're not leaving because every test they did, they couldn't find out what's wrong. So she was complaining of ringing in the ear constantly, wouldn't go away, driving her nuts for two consecutive years. So finally she gives up and she goes to, uh, you know, and oftentimes it's a common story when people become more or less for the lack of words desperate, they go to, holistic uh, uh, doctors. Or I've tried everything medicine. else. I've tried everything else and nothing is working. So tell me <laughs> if I have to stand on my f- uh, head to make it, make this work, I will do it. Right. So she goes to an uh, alternative medicine doctor, which thankfully she, she, she did an examination. She contacted me because again, one of the things that I take pride, I'm very much in communication with all the doctors that we work. We are very strong team and very close team. So she called and said, you know, Dr. Ashton, this is this is puzzling me. This is what's going on with her case. Do do you know anything about it? Can can this be anything orally that you can help me? And I'm like, you know what? I don't know. It could be drinking the ear. Could be a t- you know, could be heavy metals. Could be root canal. So you know, have her over. Let me do an examination. So I did an examination, and unfortunately, I found six root canals. Wow. And one of them especially looked really bad mm. in, in just a two-dimensional x-ray. That's when I had not even taken the CT scan or cone beam. So I look at her and this lady looking at me desperately, can you, can you help me? And of course, I want to say I've known of correlation, but you can never guarantee, especially someone who's been 
throughout the two years have been seeking help from one doctor to another and she has invested so much. She told me like, you know how much these root canals have costed me? I did some of them twice and so I've already invested this much and I'm like blown away. Here I am trying to tell the patient, well, you know, the only thing I can suggest is after all this investment, let's remove them. But so I told her what the correlation is but at the same time I told her, listen, it's not guaranteed. No cannot, promises. There's no promises. I have seen this happening in the past. I've seen, you know, I've read enough uh, data or research that there has been a correlation. In your case, I can't guarantee it. And then the minute I haven't even finished my sentence, she goes, remove the tooth. And I'm like, are you sure you want to do it? Because yes, no, at least you trust me. At least you, you know that I'm not making this up. So I'm okay, remove the tooth. This is driving me crazy. Right, and she's probably in that situation so, weighing the pros and cons. Yeah. Removing the tooth, there's some personal feelings around, well, I don't want to have a tooth removed and have it right. in, but what's the worst thing that can happen, And especially after all this suffering that she's exactly. gone through? Exactly. So I tell her, listen, this is a big decision, especially since you have six teeth. Therefore, why don't you go sleep on it, think about it, come back tomorrow. If, we, if you are agreeing to removing the tooth, I like to remove the tooth that really looks the worst to me. The root, canal, the root canal that actually looks the worst to me. And she agreed. She goes, comes back the next day, I remove the tooth. She goes home. So I call to follow up and see what how she's doing the following day. And then when I pick up the phone, I say, you know, this Dr. Ashton, how are you doing? She starts crying. And mm. here I am. I'm like, oh, my gosh. She's sorry she did it. And oh, my gosh. I'm like, she's, you know, she's already sorry she did it. It's already one day. She's crying over the phone. I'm like, what's going on? She's like... You won't believe this. I'm like, what? She's like, I've been wanting to call you, but I wanted to give it more time. I'm like, what? She goes, literally, as I was driving home, after 30 minutes of the extraction, the buzzing stopped. There is no ringing in my ear. This is after two years, and it's been a day now. It hasn't come back. Do you, do you understand what this means to me? And I'm like, wow, this is really this is really fascinating. I didn't expect the result this fast, quite honestly. Right. But it happened in her case. It's been, she's been a patient of my practice for four and a half years. The buzzing has the ringing in the ear has not come back. And what's, what's very interesting, she had lost about 70% of her hearing, but now she's, she has gained about 40% of it back. So huge. She, it's huge. And there is some and links with tinnitus and inflammation. Exactly. And then in the case of a root canal, which basically you are putting your own body through a mild form of almost sepsis, right? Exactly. It's like you're leaking this bacteria, this toxins into your body, you're slowly poisoning it. That, in a way, could be linked to inflammation, which could be linked, in her case, to this ringing in the ear. Absolutely. So this was one of the success stories that even her own physician called back and said, what happened? What did you do? I'm like, nothing. You know, I thought like the root canal is causing it. So we enrolled her. It didn't take much enrollment, actually. She's like, let's do it. <laughs> and we actually removed all her uh, root canal teeth. She feels much better. She got 40% of her hearing back. She's not back to 100%. Who knows, she may recover even more, but this is the thing, the damage, depending how much damage it has been happening throughout these years, either people can recover fully or their symptoms can significantly improve. But if you have significant damage, no one can say, okay, after so many years, if we remove this tooth, you're gonna back, you're gonna go back to a complete normal human being. But there is gonna be significant improvement. If you're not fully recovered, there's gonna be huge improvement. And in her case, she's very happy. Every time she sees me, she gives me a hug. That's and incredible. it's like, you know, you changed my life. So that was one story. 
And another case study I had was um, this gentleman was a very healthy uh, 40-year-old. She used, he used to run every day. He was part of a band. He was a musician. And he gets a root canal done after so many years, suddenly starts having some symptoms of brain fog, chronic fatigue, and then this starts to escalate. He has a palpitation of the heart, goes from one doctor to another. They do all sort of examination. You're a healthy young man. His nutrition was up to date, great diets. Like what's going on? No one could figure out. It got to a point that 10 years later, he could not leave his bed, literally. He could not even go to restroom sometimes. He said That's, that, that was agony. It was too, he had no energy, chronically fatigued. So he comes and we take a look and see he has only one root canal to it. So obviously now he's working with the alternative medicine doctor. They're doing all sorts of chelations, you know, tests. And the only thing I can think of is like, okay, you have one root canal tooth. The best I can do, I can tell you, okay, yes, there are toxins, there are this, there are that. Are you ready to remove the tooth? Fortunately, it was a back tooth. He's like, get rid of it. We get rid of the root canal tooth. Again, it was a team of doctors it wasn't just me i'm not right. taking everybody having a piece of the puzzle piece of the coming puzzle together i do saying, my what part do? what i do exactly but we are correlating you know we're talking constantly with one another so uh he's he's still very much the patient of the office he's got the entire his energy back he goes running every day he was able to he had quit his job unfortunately for a few years now he's back as part of the band and he's a totally different person incredible and all of that because of some alternative medicine and and functional dentistry functional biological dentistry. dentistry you know don't be modest that seems so. like it was a big part of it at least in his case and i think that that's what people are looking for they're looking for both the hope if they're in that situation but also you know i've never had a root canal and I don't want to have one in the future. Yeah, I want to avoid <laughs> it, right? And and people who are listening who have never had that to be just aware of, you know, the different ways that we can have these insults that happen in our body that lead to exactly what these case studies are that you talked about, unexplained sort of mystery illnesses that are there. Right. And the last case that I want to share with you, because it's very common, is people with chronic sinus infection. Mm. We had a gentleman uh, who, again, was referred through one of my alternative medicine doctor. He's been taking on antibiotic on and off for 10 years. Uh, his nose was always blocked, sinus pain, uh, one ENT after another, they couldn't help him. He, you know, any procedure they would do, they would give, give, them, give him a little remedy, short period of time, it would come back. So he had that going on for almost 15 years, so he said, chronic sinus, sinusitis. So when he came and we take a look at uh, his teeth, I noticed he has one root canal on the upper left, and interestingly though, he had a extraction done on a wisdom tooth on the upper left, and I asked him, you know, with the two-dimensional x-ray, once again, is not good enough for me to give you proper diagnosis, so you need to do a CT scan. So I sent him to a center that I trust, he did a CT scan, he came back with the result, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Whoever did the extraction on the wisdom tooth poked through the sinus. There's a sinus communication now with the oral cavity and your sinus. So it's wide open. So whatever's so, in the mouth is making its way into the sinus, including exactly. all the bacteria that's there. Exactly. And then his root canal actually does not look good. And the CT scan revealed that the upper left sinus where the wisdom teeth was extracted and the root canal tooth still exists in the patient's mouth is the one that is more damaged. It's filled with fluid 
it's very dense, the mucosa is dense as opposed to the other side. So I, I tell the patient, share my information, he decides, I, I see what you're talking about. Yes, I remember that extraction. I was symptomatic for some time afterwards and this and that. I was put on antibiotic for a number of times. And he agreed that let's remove the root canal tooth. So we removed the root canal tooth and I contacted the ENT that I trust that kind of is in tune with functional medicine as well, that they don't see black and white. I shared my CT scan with him. So when he saw the CT scan, he's like, oh, this is pretty amazing. This is good stuff, Rosie. I'm like, yes, it is good stuff. So he did um, uh, sinus surgery on him. The patient for the two and a half years has not been on antibiotic. He breathes through his nose. All of the pain is gone. And he's clear for the after 15 years of having chronic sinus infection with no sinus issue. Incredible. So it's amazing. I mean, those stories have to make you feel great, it, right? It really does. And it makes you, it really does. I can't, I can't say enough. So you're making a difference in people's life. And more so, you become more and more of a believer of what you're doing does have a positive impact. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just another reflection of the fact that an open-minded practitioner that you work with, even if there's not, you know, I already talked about this example, but I just want to share one more thing. All this awareness around the breast implant illness example that I shared previously, it all started from women going on Facebook and creating these groups and sharing their symptoms and what they were going through. And every doctor, every person that they were talking to, unless they were holistic, was like, you're crazy. There's no proven anything. Breast implants are safe. It's all good. The industry said it's fine. We've done studies. This, this, like, this is the classic story. We've heard this time and time again. But if people are suffering, something is going on. That doesn't mean it's a causation, but there's some link that's there. And then finally, you know, some open-minded physicians, people, holistic practitioners paying attention and asking the right questions and saying, look, there is some reason to be cautious. There's some cause for concern. If you're open, let's address this issue. And that's exactly what you're doing in this instance, even if there's not big, big, big studies, which I hope one day there is, whoever's listening and wants to fund that, go to town. Until then, finding somebody open-minded who will walk down the path with you and help you explore this is so key and really the only thing that gives so many people who are suffering hope. Absolutely. Having an open mind. Having an open mind. Dr. Roshini, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. When I was envisioning this episode, we were talking about having you back. This is exactly the conversation that I wanted to have because, uh, you know, I'm very passionate. You know, I have a great relationship with my parents and a lot of my aunts and uncles and other individuals who, let's say at the time, I think now, even with traditional dentistry, there's a little bit more awareness that maybe a root canal is not for every single person that's out there, right? Where I would say, you know, 10, 20 years ago, it was a little bit more tossed out, just free willy, right? right. Hey, get a root canal, get a root canal, get a root canal. It's just the easy fix right. to toss into the situation. Right. So I feel like there's a little bit more awareness. So. It, a lot of the people that are in my life that I love and care about, including my own parents, have had these things. I've read a lot of the literature. I talk to other functional doctors. I have incredible people in my life like you who are giving education, and I want my family to be in great health now and into the future and minimize the risk. So this episode um, 
is for everybody else that you don't have to have somebody in your life that's been touched by this. You don't have to have a root canal yourself, but you want to be proactive and practice upstream medicine, upstream dentistry, and not deal with it when it's the worst case scenario and you already have the issue that you're dealing with. So right. I thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking about this. Great to be here. Last time, we had so many of our audience members that contacted you, some that wanted to come and see you here in Los Angeles, and some that were actually just curious about other people that you might recommend if you know somebody. Of course. Uh, this time around, can people reach out to you about both of those things? Of course, 100%. And we've had, as a matter of fact, as you said, a lot of people mention your name on a daily basis. I heard you on Drew or uh, I uh, listen to Broken Brain. And uh, some of them are out of state. They, they we do teledentistry. They ask for a consultation. We do that. Or some are nice enough to fly and see me. I don't expect everyone to do that. The ones that are local is easy. I appreciate, but um, at least I get to be a second consult. You know, and can they my, do that? Can they do telemedicine, like teledentistry, second consult? And I've consult? done that quite a number of times because I understand not everyone may not have the means to travel to sure. come and see me. But at least I can be that second person to do a consultation. So uh, things can be shared nowadays through internet. They can send, send me their CT scan, their find, findings or what's going on and I can guide them. Or if I know anyone practicing in any state or another area, I can at least uh, direct them there. So right. uh, you have access and that's to the some whole point of these, these episodes is, you know, to help individuals out and I'll be more than happy to do so. Yeah. Fantastic. There's directories that I know that you have access to where there's other like-minded dentists like yourself. Great that are all over and spread out, in some cases overseas as well, as right. well too. And I, I do like to stress people need to get second consultation. Whoever is diagnosed, especially if they don't have pain and they don't have full-blown abscess and infection, and they're diagnosed to have a root canal, please do yourself a favor. Don't jump the gun, get a second consultation because you have no idea how many times, Drew, people come to my office for a second consultation and they don't need a root canal, but they were told that they need a root canal. It's been practiced way aggressively, it's di diagnosis. Sometimes I feel it's mi misdiagnosed. When a dentist gets irritated, they can't find a solution. They just want to go ahead and kill the nerve. So this way patient doesn't have pain and that would be the end of their complaint. And, so, and how much do you think is related also to just business decisions that certain practices that are out there are sort of encouraging more root canals because they make more money as a practice. Unfortunately, well, unfortunately, as much as I like to uh, <laughs> think that every colleague of mine practices ethically, it's not always the case. So it it is a um, it is a very high production procedure. I get that, and as I I think I said it earlier, per per year in United States alone, we have about sixty million root canal procedures are being done. Crazy. I see the number of patients that come to my practice, and how many of them truly, truly they're Denise root canal is very insignificant. So I wonder, I think a lot of people are being misdiagnosed. Or um, sometimes when I talk to my colleagues, uh, the ones that don't practice holistically, unfortunately, they tell me, you know, Rosie, when we see a cavity that is too too big, why even wait until patient in the future comes back with pain? We automatically do a root canal. They think they're and, doing the right thing. Right, they do it. It's like this way. They don't have any post-op sensitivity. They don't have any discomfort. They don't have to go through the healing. There is no nerve. So therefore, there's going to be no pain. So they actually think they're not evil. They think they're doing a patient a favor. If they do a root canal on the spot, they're diminishing any chance of sensitivity in the future by killing the nerve. And, and it's well-intentioned, but the challenge is they don't know 
the, the res- consequences. Exactly, 100%. So I now I understand why the numbers are so high. Yeah. Why someone's practice has so many root canals as opposed to my practice that I, you know, I don't, I barely get a patient that needs a root canal. Once in a while I do, but the number is so minimal. So either people are practicing a bit too aggressively or they're being misdiagnosed. So that's why I encourage everyone who, who is diagnosed to have a root canal, the very least get a second opinion uh, because you may very well not need it. In, not in all, all the case scenarios a patient actually needs it. So. Fantastic, that is a truly, that, I mean that's gonna save people a lot of money and headache 100%. down the line, getting a second opinion from somebody they trust. Uh, you're also on social media. Can people follow you there? Yes, we are on Instagram uh, <laughs> and Facebook, so Serenity Dental Center. Amazing. Uh, or Dr. Rosita Rashtion. I, uh, if you put in either of those, I'll show up. Great. And, uh, and we'll have the link to those in the show notes. Sure. And then anytime, I'm just waiting for you to write your, uh, your book. <laughs> That's the next thing. You've done a couple podcasts. Have, right, the I world is ready projects. for your material. <laughs> uh, Dr. Rashian, thank you. You truly have the heart of a teacher. And your message, which is really multifold, which is dealing with things before they become a problem. Okay, if they are a problem right now, there's a lot of options. But really the th- last third one, which is be the CEO of your own health. Right? Yes, rely on doctors, dentists, people that are out there, find the ones that are open-minded. Doesn't always have to be holistic. Even sometimes you find somebody that's very open-minded, that's willing to go down that pathway. But ideally, if you can find somebody holistic who's been trained in that, but be the CEO of your own health, which means don't be afraid to question the approach that other people have for your health. You have to feel good about it. You have to feel that this is the right step for you. And if the person is pressuring you into one way or another and you don't feel good about it, go get a second opinion. It's your health. You have to live with it at the end of the day. So you've got to feel good about it. Absolutely. Very well said. (laughs) Thank you again for being on the podcast, Dr. Rashtian. I super appreciate you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And thank you to your audience for listening. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Just a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not, I repeat, it's not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or otherwise qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for help in your journey, seek out a qualified medical practitioner. If you're looking for a functional medicine practitioner, you can visit ifm.org and search their find a provider database. It's important that you have somebody in your corner that's qualified, that's trained, that's a licensed healthcare practitioner helping you make changes especially when it comes to your health.